So let's turn to First Peter, verse 18 of chapter 2, and we'll read three verses there. That's First Peter, chapter 2, verse 18. We've read them a few times to keep them in context with the other verses we've done. Might hurt to do it again. It's all talking about submission in this chapter. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, <clears throat> not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye are buffeted ye are for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the uh, precise instruction here and how to live in a godless world, how to live as a worker for other people. And Lord, that we might do as your word tells us, do all to the glory of God, that these people who aren't saved might get a good, clear testimony from our behaviour. And bless now this word shared from Peter in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> okay, been following the the outline, looking at the responsibilities of Christians and Point E, when we got to verse 13, was to be submissive as obedient believers. It's a good responsibility to keep up. We started with it, didn't we? <clears throat> we obeyed the gospel. Peter mentions that we are saved by obeying the gospel. And also, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, they obeyed not the gospel. We start with obedience to the gospel and we walk in obedience uh, to be submissive as subjects of society or in our country. Verses 13 and 14, to be submissive as servants. 16 to 18. Um, <clears throat> and this is where we're in the middle of it tonight. Our submission in relation to the Lord, in relation to our liberty and in relation to our locality. And... Uh, that's verse 15, 16 and 17. And now our submission in relation to our labour. Our labour. <clears throat> Where we work, what we do. Um, in respect of the boss's position, we see verse 18 mentions, servants be subject to your masters. We don't necessarily use that word any anymore in society. Masters, do we? The boss. What else do we call him? Employer, yeah. Chief. Big Bear's coming. What was that? Big Cheese. Big Cheese, okay. Different Big ones. <laughs> in, in where we work, that's... <laughs> I remember that one of the bosses, a few ranks down where I was working when I was 17, if somebody was sitting idle with a machine because there was no work to do, everything was running smoothly. It was in a crusher site. <clears throat> but if the big bear, he said, if the big bear comes, I'll go and tell you all. <laughs> and he's seen him running. He's up in a little tower like a control tower for an airport. He's up there looking, 
and he'd dash down the stairs and you see him running, you'd jump on your machine already. You knew why he was coming. Because, yeah, anyway, it's just the nature of the job. <laughs> and there's a few times he didn't get to people and they got sacked. I mean, they couldn't do it today, but that's what they did in those days. That was early in the 70, 71, <clears throat> when a wage there was about $70 a week, which was a lot of money <laughs> then. So in respect to this big boss's, this uh, whatever you call him, master, the Bible says, because he is the master. He's the one that foots the bill. He's the one that has, if he's working for a large company, has to answer to the fellow above him too. He's the one that has to make this work and make it make a profit. Uh, <clears throat> he pays the consequences in his life and his job if those under him don't do the right thing. You know, if he takes it in the wrong direction, that's his problem, isn't it? We are to obey those that are our masters. And the word servant there is like <clears throat> means household servant. A very difficult position, a lot more difficult than I think any people have it today in Australia anyway. Especially understanding as a Christian, if you're a saved individual and, and he's a saved individual, your liberty in Christ, you could quite easily sort of hum, do you think you should be doing that? <laughs> that hurt when you hit me. <laughs> it sort of... You wouldn't be hitting another Christian, would you? Whipping or, you know, the slaves into shape. Or speaking abusively to them if you're a Christian boss. So <clears throat> the servant there, and Paul is telling them to behave themselves, if, yes, particularly if they're Christians. <laughs> but in Christ, you equally stand equally before God. And so <clears throat> these servants in Paul's day had no redress for wrongs Done to, done no unions in those days. <laughs> they just suffered. And many, many were, were servants in the day the New Testament was written. More than 50% of people. And so that, <clears throat> there's a lot of people. And they're the ones that were listening to the gospel because that gave them hope. That gave them something out of here. <laughs> that gave them eternity. And so <clears throat> they were, in those days, counted as the master's property. The word master there in the English can mean despot or owner. I was just reading in the Bible reading this morning in the book of Exodus as giving the law and the uh, situation of a servant in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 1 that outlines the position of in the, in the commandments of the of the, of the uh, servants. Now these are the judgments, in verse 1, which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew, there's a Hebrew, buying a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. The seventh year. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. This is a seven-year contract. You couldn't get out of it. That's it, if you're a Hebrew. If he was married, then his wife shall go out with him. They come in married, goes out married. If his master hath given him a wife, and she hath borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. 
So what's the tendency not to do? Not to go out. Not to go out. If you love your family, you've got a husband and, you know, you're gonna, you, you, know you love them and got children. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. So he's giving up a life. This is a, this is a picture of the Christian. When he gives his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the, he's the servant of the we are the servant of the master. Okay, he wants to stay and not go free. The, verse six. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with and all, and shall serve him forever. <laughs> I don't know if that. You know those things before you had power drills? Mm-hmm. One of them? I don't, is that an all? Mr Dunn, any ideas? An all is actually a sharpened piece of steel with a handle at the end of it. Like a chisel? Uh, yeah, like a chisel, but just a single spike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, got his ears pierced. <laughs> and, but it would, be, it would be noted that this was the case. Okay. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably don't exist today. Mm-hmm. Antique worth a few dollars, probably. <laughs> we had to group all the tools into their groups. And they were measuring and marking tools. Okay. Right. That, one of them. Not, not the other groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> but he didn't quite live this long ago. <laughs> this is only in Brother Dunn's lifetime. And so bore it through. It sounds like a boring machine, but it might have been a, a, a hammering one. <clears throat> and uh, if a man were to go, we were in verse 6. So bring him to the judges, bring him to the door, doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through. And he shall serve him forever. That's a lifetime commitment. When we become Christians, it's a lifetime commitment to the master. <laughs> <clears throat> Most people don't realise that when they get saved. Maybe we don't tell them. <laughs> and if a man sell his daughter to be a maid servant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. Did you hear what I just said? If you sell your daughter. We live in a total different society. This is the Hebrews <clears throat> when they're getting started as a nation. And, get, and sell, your, sell your daughter as a maid servant. She can't go out. She's bound. If she please not her master who hath betrothed her, so he's marrying her to himself, then shall she, she, shall he let her be redeemed to sell her unto a strange, strange nation. He shall not have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully with her. And if he hath betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters." So there's a bit of a list of things that are totally different to what we might be adjusted to in our society. <clears throat> we are to respect the position of the master. Ephesians 6, 5, 9 speaks of that as well. In spite of his personality, in the second part of verse 18, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Masters could be kind or evil and cruel. You might have worked with both 
sorts of individuals. Now when you read this and study it a little bit, when we're working for somebody, that does that mean we tell him how he should run his business? It's not in here. <laughs> He's problem. He's the boss. He paid for this. And uh, anything he gives or provides for us to do the job, we are to treat respectfully. But we don't tell him how to run his business. I know some Christians have done that. They don't last long. Either they leave or they're told to. And um, if you're constantly changing jobs, there's probably a hint of that in your character. Don't you think? Tony, you, you deal with people a lot with or have in the past. And you find that sort of... If you're looking at someone's resume, mm-hmm. you see that they've been hopping from job to job in pretty quick succession. It's a real flag. Yep. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> and uh, I, th- I don't know how long that people today, bosses today, have where they can try you before they can't fire you. Is there a... It can vary. Three, six, one month. So that <clears throat> that is, and uh, if we're a Christian and in that position, and we just say, "Well, I'm going to really put it on, you know, like, like, butter it up real good for six months, and then I'm going to slack off," is, a, is the boss going to believe you and your testimony? No, <laughs> no, he's not. So. Moving on, in spite of his personality, masters could make their servants' lives comfortable, congenial, or a living hell. Brought and sold, split from the family, living in squalor, beaten and whipped by an evil and bad master. Are there not good and bad bosses even today? And sometimes you look at a bad boss and you ask yourself the question, and I hear people talk about it, in, and, and they relate from their point of view what they feel the boss is like, and you wonder how he got there. <laughs> you sort of, who promoted him? What did he do to get that job, you know, to, to be able to do that to different ones? A <clears throat> brother-in-law was working at Vulcan. I mentioned that in making things and... He was most of the time counselling people. He, he was a he, he gave ear to people and their problems, and so he's a lot of the time there's about 110 or so people at it down there in Bayswater, and he was constantly trying to help them, and uh, he got along well with them. He didn't, and he had a record. <laughs> no one fired. He just talked them, talked to them, and uh, treated them right, and they would treat the workplace right, and they were they enjoyed being there. It makes a difference if the boss has got a right attitude. But there's some bad ones, there's some benevolent ones, and there's some brutal ones. Luke chapter 17. I just thought of this one as I was going over this again just before I come, and these verses popped into my mind. 17 of Luke and verse 7 through to 10. But which of you, having a servant ploughing or feeding cattle, will say unto him when he has come from the field, yeah, it's probably dark already, he's unsettled the asses or, or unbridled and all the stuff they had to put on, or the horses, go and sit down and meet, <laughs> to meet. 
Is that what the boss says? No, this guy's been out working all day in the heat of the day. The boss has probably been sitting inside in front of a cool breeze, and so no fans in those days, whatever they are. Will he not rather say unto him, Make ready that which I may sup, and gird thyself, serve me, till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Almost sounds unfair, doesn't it? <laughs> You've worked for him all day to make him money, now you're feeding him. And you think, you lazy, whatever. <laughs> Get it yourself. No, you, you would be whipped literally into shape if you did that. And <clears throat> uh, haven't we got it good? With all the things we've got in our country that protect the labourer. Doth he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So ye also, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And we think about who God is and how much authority he has and what he has done for us. And then we will gladly serve him from our heart. <laughs> and we owe, we owe him. We will never pay him back for what he has done. He is gentle, fair, benevolent, moderate and forbearing. And um, <clears throat> a boss can be that way, and Christian bosses ought to be good at heart. But the froward, the crooked, it means crooked, unfair, morally crooked, and even perverse, tyrannical or unjust. Philippians 2.15 speaks of him. Both masters, the good and the bad, are to be given loyal, cheerful service to give a good testimony for the Lord. In Titus, we're not far from Titus, Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, Endure, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, that's to hold back, to hold back oneself, purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour in all things. And so it helps the Master give ear to the message you have in your heart if you're a Christian servant. And uh, <clears throat> you're adorning, you're dressing up the doctrine of God. You're making, making God's word with the doctrine of it look good, look attractive. What's in that fellow's heart that makes him do what he does? Behave like he behaves. Give an extra few minutes instead of trying to... Uh, lays off the last few at, you know half an hour or up can't wait to get out the door <clears throat> makes a difference doesn't it could make an internal difference to some people remember Paul's letter to which one one chapter book in a new Philemon yep remember that that story there that that slave had been doing done the wrong thing it seems he'd stolen from Philemon and Onesimus, the two of the characters there, and gone away, he got saved, and Paul said, let him come back. He'll be profitable, as he's been profitable to me. What a difference it makes being a Christian. And so our submission in relation to our labour, and now we go to a, a third point in this, to be submissive as subjects, as servants, and now as saints. 
suffering wrongfully in verse 19. <clears throat> and this is tied to the servant in its context here and the master's. Uh, what does it mean to have a conscience toward God? <laughs> it means to be not guilty and know that you're not guilty. <laughs> to have godly principles and practices and convictions. As, it, as you read there in verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. So, <clears throat> if the boss asks you to lie to drink at a work party, to cheat, to do a dodgy job, to take a shortcut, to embezzle funds, to bribe. The boss has told you as a master, he, he's the master to do it. What should you do? No, no you shouldn't. Because <laughs> your conscience toward God. Now, it would have consequences in those days. It can have consequences today too. And uh, people in the church have shared with me what some of their bosses do. And uh, it's crook. But you, we live in an unsafe world. But you, not to do those things that are, you know would defile your conscience before God. <clears throat> and as I've shared from experience, and it only late 17 years old they tried to bribe get me to bribe them they were making better money on that than what they were on their wages it was uh, 80 <clears throat> they're getting 70 dollars a week and they could get they could get um, about a hundred dollars from a person that gave them a day's thing from the bulldozer and so they'd be making heaps and they had a few people doing that for them so I'm making about six times as much per week as what everyone else was. <clears throat> Mr. Bennett was his name. Everyone knew him as 10% Bennett. <laughs> he had a name. And that's how he built the thing down at the other side, to, not rather, glance further down on the new... No, further down. <laughs> Yeah, the other side, on the creek on the other side. There's a there's a there's a big club there. Yeah, there's a there's a club there <clears throat> going eating things. I don't know what it's. That's where that money come from, that place. You know, the people that I know that bribed him, and the fellow that got the bribe. You know where they are now? They're gone, and they went a long time ago. One of the fellows that had six machines on the job and he never lost his job he went right to the end of it and passed the end of the job <clears throat> and then he got other jobs with the Board of Works he retired at about 60 six years younger than me he died in two weeks he was going to live you know like that just like the parable in the Bible I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I've got it all got heaps of money and then who's then his soul soul was taken then whose shall those things be? I won't mention his name. He only lived a mile up the road. He's another contractor. <clears throat> yes, don't get involved in that sort of lawlessness. Suffering wrongfully, even if you have to suffer for it or lose your job for it, um, <clears throat> it's better to do right. Better to have a conscience void of offence. Um, endure grief, suffering wrongfully, as it says in verse 19. 
uh, Matthew 5, 43 to 48, has, has words to say about that. Suffering lawfully, verse 20, for what glory is it if when ye are buffeted for your faults, okay, that's suffering lawfully. If we break the law, even innocently, we can expect to suffer for it and be punished for it. Receive damnation, as Romans 13, 2 speaks about. Now, if you do evil, be afraid, because he beareth not the sword in vain. That's the government. So if you break the law, even ignorantly, we will pay for it. And, and today, with electronic surveillance, it's that they're, they're getting more and more on the case. <clears throat> when you see one of those big things that go over the freeway, you know, a great big truss thing, and it goes down the side. It used to be, I don't know if it still is, it was only for truckies. And then they'd have another one. Then they'd have another one, and they'd time them how long it took. If it took it took less than an hour, they know they were doing they're speeding. So they can book them. So you know it's they can just sit in an office now. They'd have to be with the blue lights chasing you. <laughs> but if you if you do wrong, you will suffer for it. You could say, well, it just I put in angel gear on the hills, saved me pet fuel going down the hill, <laughs> and it got up to two. No, whatever, they they do go fast with a lot of weight, and you know. But then he'd say, "No, you had to go up the hill, and that would have been slower." So no, you're booked, um, <clears throat> and we'll pay the consequences for that. Illustration we could use of paying the consequences for and suffering lawfully for doing wrong is David's sin with Bathsheba. Did he pay for it? He paid for it the rest of his life. Now, yes, it wasn't a servant master thing. But it was for for doing wrong, for defiling his conscience and defiling other people, and for being in that public position where people saw what was going on, and probably some of them knew, Nathan did, or God revealed it to him if he didn't, what was going on. <clears throat> and he suffered for it. Let's look at a few Psalms where David is mourning the problems he has, <laughs> and most likely stemmed from these this incident. Psalm 6, 6 says this, I am weary with my groanings. All night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. There are consequences. If you don't want them, don't break the law. Keep a clear conscience. Chapter 22 of Psalm and verse 1. <clears throat> 22 and verse 1. That was speaking of the Lord here. But a psalm of David, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? <laughs> Suffering, we know this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, but David wrote it and he could uh, sense he, he was suffering. Chapter 32 and a few verses in this one, 32 and verse 3. And following, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is God godly pray unto thee. In a time when thou mayest be found, surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. And so when the trouble comes, the one that's committed to the Lord will be protected. But here he's 
confessing his transgressions. He's acknowledging his sin. He says, this is hard to bear. And all the problems with his family, the problems with his children, the problems between his children, the problem of one of his sons taking over his, his kingship. All these things. And the sword shall not depart from thy house, suffering lawfully. We could do things when we're unsaved, before we're saved, and they'll, they'll, they'll follow us through life. You see, we're forgiven of our sin, but the consequences of the sin can go on. You know, cut it straight, plough straight, do the right thing, and suffering willingly in the last part of verse 20. So be submissive as suffering saints, whether we suffer wrongfully, whether we suffer lawfully, or whether we suffer willingly. Last part of verse 20. Take it patiently, but if when you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. <laughs> now, one's hard to swallow probably than the other ones, isn't it? <clears throat> Suffering willingly. And we could look at David when he was suffering for doing well. You see, some of the Psalms are related to when he had been anointed king but he wasn't yet king and for 12 years Saul was hunting him he was suffering willingly he didn't retaliate when he could have as we saw on Sunday and so in Psalm 34 there's the account there where he was suffering willingly knowing that in God's time leave it in God's hands and all this suffering willingly started when he slew Goliath when he slew Goliath and they won the victory over the Philistines and then they went back into town what was everyone saying? Saul killed his hundreds of thousands but David his thousands ten thousands, yeah. <laughs> thousands and ten and so he saw listen to him singing about David they should be singing about me the king well king if you'd gone out and fought the Goliath you would have been sung about and so David had to, from there, be, you know, go and play the harp. <laughs> oh, no, not that's a violin. <laughs> that way. And uh, cool and calm Saul down when this evil spirit was upon him. And, and then at times he, he had to keep his eye on Saul at all times, wherever Saul was, because what might come his way? A javelin. A javelin. <laughs> and Saul did it to his own son, Jonathan, tried to javelin him to the wall too. And... <clears throat> And Saul knew how to throw one, by the way. He fought many a battle. And so at close range, in close quarters, he could have had him. And so he's suffering willingly. He went back. And then as we noticed on Sunday, yes, it was Sunday, you know, he, uh, David let Saul off when he was in the cave. And no, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've done the wrong. Then Saul went home, repentant, but he come back again. And Saul, uh, David let him off again got his spear and his drinking cup and he's suffering willingly you know don't touch the Lord's anointed so Saul was relentless and remorseless in retaliating against David who had done nothing wrong to him but only good to him he'd gone out with his own men at his own expense with his 600 vagabond men that gathered around David so you go to camp for a week how much a hundred kids eat quite a bit even juniors 600 men and they didn't have props and they're just running going from place to place what did they eat you know the, the, what did he, a, uh, an army runs on its stomach well he's his ragtag army was running and, and 
he could have thought, well, I could be, I could be the king. I could have a, a legitimate army <laughs> of Israel. And so <clears throat> the following example, and we will leave that for when we get back, um, is of the Lord Jesus. If you think this is tough and it's hard sayings to swallow, think about what the Lord did. Verse 21 to 25, that's how he ends it. So he builds a crescendo here. You know. Obey the boss. <laughs> Obey the Lord. It will go well with you. It may not seem so at the time. 